Welcome everyone to The Creative Entrepreneur. Today we have a special guest for you. We're going to be talking about data analysis, finance, and how we can catapult your business. You don't want to miss this episode, so stay tuned. Coming to you from San Antonio, Texas. Welcome to The Creative Entrepreneur, a podcast created to help entrepreneurs build their business. Branding, marketing, analytics, positioning, and lead generation, plus interviews with other business owners to learn from their successes and failures. Now, here is your host, Abel Garza. Welcome back, everyone, to The Creative Entrepreneur. Today, we have a special guest for you guys. We're going to be talking to a CFO. Uh, she's a growth architect, a data geek, and she's known as the SaaS Whisperer. She also has the coolest name, Susan Bowles. <laughs> How are you doing today? Great. How are you? Thanks I'm for doing, having me. I'm doing awesome. Hey, so I'm really excited to talk about what uh, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about the finance part of business because this is uh, this is an area that many finance or I should say many businesses don't get to delve into and and are frankly not very familiar with. So give me some insight as to who you are, what you do, and and how you help your customers. Yeah, absolutely. So. I am a virtual CFO and systems advisor, which means that I kind of take all of the financial data and help CEOs interpret that, understand what it means, and use that information that's kind of inherent in their business to help them drive and decide how and where to grow. Makes sense. So we do a little bit of business design, a little bit of workflow efficiencies. Uh, we obviously handle the financials and uh, also do some software advisory because really in all businesses now, a good portion of their operations actually lives in different pieces of software. And so the tools that you choose to use in your systems really influence whether or not you have good data to make decisions. But Absolutely. So you're you're managing the financial actions of these businesses. You're looking at their cash flows, their financial planning analysis, uh, the the strengths and weaknesses of this business, proposing creative ways to take action. If I was a business and I was trying to analyze my financials, should I hire an accountant or should I hire somebody who's an expert in this? So I think there are uh, different ways to approach this. There's a lot of different arguments. Some folks, it really depends on your business and your stage of business. So bookkeepers, which is where uh, most people kind of traditionally start, bookkeepers are really designed to be the stewards of your financial data. And that means that they kind of take all of your transactions and make sure that they are in the appropriate category in your financial system. That's what bookkeepers are really designed to do. Uh, accountants are really there primarily for doing taxes. Um, some accountants these days are getting into a little bit more of a, an advisory role, but that's still pretty difficult to find. Um, and a CFO is somebody that kind of sits sort of on top of both of those and takes the financial data and interprets it. So in my role as a CFO, we do handle the bookkeeping primarily because we want to make sure that the data is good, that it's entered efficiently that we have real-time information about any business that we're working with. The interesting part about um, how I work with clients is that I have had a lot of experience in big companies as a CFO. I've been a CFO for 400 people organizations and also as an outsourced CFO for uh, companies in a lot of different industries, um, which gives me a real breadth of experience. And the value of that is that 
um, you get to pull kind of techniques. You get to see the back end of a lot of different businesses and be able to pull things that are useful from a different industry. So a lot of folks tend to look to other businesses in their own industry for ideas about how to run their businesses more efficiently or what what they should do, how they should price their services or package their services or how to disrupt their own industry. And what's really interesting when you have a breadth of experience and you have a lot of visibility into the back end of a lot of different industries is that you can take information from one and pull it into another and it becomes sort of disruptive in a, in a new industry. So pulling some techniques from like retail businesses. Uh, I actually just did a really interesting interview for my podcast, uh, Break the Ceiling, which we talk about a lot of this um, behind the scenes kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, with a with Justin Jackson, who is the founder of Transistor. He's uh, a small bootstrap podcast hosting company. Mm-hmm. And talking about how the metrics they use in SaaS software. So running a SaaS company, they spend a lot of time paying attention to like what their recurring revenue is and what their churn is and taking metrics like that from a different industry and applying them to service businesses can be really powerful. So, you know, in service businesses, a lot of the times we're not necessarily looking at how much of our revenue is recurring revenue versus one-time projects. Um, and that's a really powerful statistic because recurring revenue, revenue you know that's coming in every single month, you know, that it's under contract or you've got some sort of subscription type model. When you know that you have money coming in every month, that's really powerful information for when you're forecasting your cash flow. You know, every month money's coming in. But if you have a, you know, one off project style business model where you're doing, you know, uh, just website design or, um, photography, you do one-off intensives. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a different model and it's harder. You know, you have to bring in more leads because you always have to be worrying about bringing in the next project exactly. versus a recurring type model where you only have to get a couple of clients and then they'll just pay you every month. But that's something that we don't really think about necessarily in service businesses. So that's kind of what I'm talking about where you can pull uh, techniques and strategies from other industries into your own and really harness them to make some pretty cool decisions um, and s- sort of take advantage of some unconventional strategies. Mm-hmm. So you're analyzing the strengths and the weaknesses of other businesses, bringing those into other businesses to help them build their business, basically. Yeah. And the the benefit of having a CFO, even in a relatively small organization, is that you can use that experience to really help drive your own business. So a lot of the companies that I work with now are actually pretty small. It's usually a solo founder with a team of contractors or employees, usually like 10 to 12 people. Um, But instead of having to hire, say, a bookkeeper and a project manager and have an outsource IT person, they can just work with me and they get the benefit of somebody who has had a real um, high level experience in all of those areas. So it can be a lot more efficient for a small company, but you still get the benefit Uh of that high level expertise. Like a one-stop shop for everything. huh? That's awesome. What is the first thing that you do when you're assessing the financial situation for any company? Um, So we always start with a financial health check and that's looking at um, things like how risky are your clients? You know, are you getting all of your income from a single client? 
Or do you have, you know, 10 or 12 clients that are consistently paying you? Are you, what's your business model like? You know, do you have a lot of recurring revenue or are you doing one-off projects where you're constantly having to go try and find new clients? Um, so we look at both the financial aspect, you know, how many months of cash flow do you actually have? Are you saving enough for taxes? Um, how efficiently is your financial data getting into your financial system? If it is mm-hmm, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of folks are really intimidated by their finances and their business. Um, and so sometimes the instinct is just to kind of ignore it because it's something that you're uncomfortable with. It seems really scary and it doesn't have to be. So a lot of what I do with my clients is making their finances more approachable and helping them interpret the data. So it's more useful for them. Oh, I see. So I like to say that I, you know, most accountants talk about finances in accountant terms and I like to talk about it in business owner terms because they think about financial information really differently. Well, there's, I mean, there's so many ways to utilize the data that you have to build your strategic approach. How would you say the data in the majority, or at least in some of them, in some of the analysis that you've made, what approach do you feel the data has made to catapult their business? Absolutely. So let's, let's take an example. One of the things that I work with, um, with a lot of my founders is that often they have a lot of different types of projects or types of services that they're offering. So say they um, do public public speaking and they also sell um, workflow intensives and they sell um, website design, they do graphic design, they do content marketing. So say they have all of these different revenue streams, but they're not really looking at each individual type of project or type of client that they work with individually to see how profitable is each project that you do or each type of project that you do. And when you actually look at, you know, the information on a more granular level, instead of just saying, you know, yay, I was profitable this month. When you say, actually, you know, this type of project is much more profitable than this other type of project. And so when you're looking and you say, I really want to grow, you know, that's sort of abstract. But if you have that sort of data where you're like, wow, this one kind of project is super profitable and actually pretty easy to sell, maybe I should double down on those kinds of projects and maybe let this other kind of project just stop doing those kinds of things. Or similarly, you can do the that same kind of data analysis with like your client types. What kinds of clients are most profitable? what kinds of projects. And that can really give you some information to help you decide which direction to head when you're trying to grow. It's a much easier way to grow if you are selling really profitable projects versus projects that are maybe really intensive, not as profitable. You're not going to grow as fast or as sustainably, really. Okay. Well, well, you know, so... Identifying those particular projects that are capable of of scaling your business. What are some examples? Would you say are some some scalable techniques that a business could adopt? Like, to, mm. well, maybe maybe let's just put it this way. So, if you you're doing data analysis, you find out that certain people are 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 buying a certain thing, or they're utilizing a certain uh, service or product, and it's increasing your revenue through that. How do you approach that? Do you just say the hell with the rest of the stuff? Let's just attack it this way. Or should we just begin focusing more on this more profitable project? I think that's really a question for each founder. Um, So I'm a big believer of 
building a business that you want to run. And I think you can't, you can't isolate the decisions you're making about the growth of your business from whether or not you want to do that. So what that kind of circles back around to is that the financial aspect really should only be one part of your decision. So maybe this one kind of project is really profitable, but maybe you don't necessarily love, they're not your favorite kind of projects. Mm -hmm. You know, you could, you could decide to instead focus on one of the projects that you really loved to do, but make it more efficient so that it could be more profitable. I see. So by doing that, you could do, um, what I like to call basically productizing your delivery. So this is basically creating a process that you're going to follow every time with that kind of project. So you know, when do you need to communicate and what are you going to communicate when you're actually, what are the client touch points throughout that project? What deliverables are you going to um, give them? So uh, a really good example of that is I, uh, my first kind of, intro product when I'm working with a client is called a growth blueprint. And that's partly that financial health check that we talked about, but it's also an analysis of what your team is like. And do you have the right people in the right positions? And do you have the right software stack to run your business as efficiently as possible? And as part of that, we're talking about you know, what kind of products should you build and what opportunities do you have to make this process more efficient? Mm-hmm. Um, because you can make things a lot more profitable the more efficiently you do them, assuming that you're not charging by the hour. Um, if you if you do hourly billing, you know you're actually incentivized to do yeah, to take yeah. longer on projects than if you are um, using like value based or flat rate type pricing. So um, most of what I'm talking about here assumes that you are not billing hourly. Yeah. yeah. So the end result of this growth blueprint is very customized to the client because it's about them. It's about their business and their choices and their vision for what they want the business to be. But from my end, it's a very efficient process because I've I've designed the actual delivery process. So I have a questionnaire that they fill out with the same kinds of questions to make sure that I'm getting the information that I need ahead of time. I know that the next step is to do an interview with them. So we'll do a two-hour interview. Um, a lot of my uh, deliverables are relatively templatized. So, um, you know, if I write up a paragraph for a client about a specific software program, say, I'll keep that in my, you know, sample deliverable. So I can just, you know, grab and drop the explanation of what that software system does, because I recommend a lot of of the same tools. So you can get really efficient in terms of how you're delivering the service mm-hmm. without necessarily reducing how customized that service is for the client. Does that oh, make sense? That, oh, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. And it, it makes it very efficient. So if you have a type of project that say you love doing, but maybe isn't your most profitable service, you could you have you know a few choices. You could either decide to go all in on the most profitable service, or you could decide to focus more on the type of service that you love to deliver and find ways to make it more efficient for you to deliver it and therefore making it more profitable. Absolutely. I mean, that's valuable information, knowing where to go, which direction to take, how you approach it. And of course, whether or not that's the type of service or product that you want to deliver as a business owner and uh, wanting to increase revenue and increase sales and understanding the concept, or I should say the responsibilities of, let's just say a CFO or, or accountant or bookkeeper and just understanding what they do. I mean, 
there's so much with regard to that in the finance part of it, but also in the data collection. Uh, I want to like I want to increase my clients. I want to improve the transaction value of my uh, product or service. And and I want to increase revenue and generate more income. As a business owner, in your perspective, in my approach to building my business, what are some of the challenges that you see many businesses face when they come to you? So I tend to work with folks in, they've been in business for a few years. They're relatively established businesses. And so the clients that come to me are usually at a point where they have hit kind of a growth ceiling. They have grown as much as they can with their current team or their current systems, and they are aware that they need to do something else. You know, what got them there isn't going to get them to the next level. And sometimes that's just creating more consistent systems, creating processes. You know, a lot of the times when we start out in our businesses, we tend to experiment, which is great because you you kind of have to iterate a little bit to figure out, you know, are you sitting in the right place with the market? Are you offering them the right thing? Are you um, working with the right kinds of clients? You know, are you with a, a type of client that you really genuinely enjoy working with? And so at the beginning, when you are starting a business, there's a lot of that experimentation to try and get where you need to go. Um, and as you kind of evolve, you realize that, you know, maybe the hacked together software stack that you have is actually creating more of a headache for you. So maybe you picked your project management tool when it was just you and maybe one other team member. And now you have a team of 10 and it's not working anymore. Um, You're realizing that the ball is getting dropped because you're not communicating efficiently. Um, Maybe you are trying to decide if you need to hire somebody else. Um, you know, you you have hit the top level of output that you can possibly do with whatever yeah. structure you've put in place. So when they come to me, that's really what we're dealing with is what what needs to change in your business kind of in a holistic view to make sure that you have the capability, you have the foundation to be able to continue to grow sustainably and that your team and your systems are efficient and let you kind of take that next level of growth without killing yourself. Being able to pivot is essential. What are some of the challenges you face? I mean, I think the same as, as all the rest of, you know, service business owners, it's a constant, you know, you're, you're trying to make sure that you're delivering valuable services and finding consistent ways to connect with people. So that's um, my main marketing channel is that I really just try and do one-on-one connections. And I have, um, I use the podcast to do that. I reach out to people in communities online. Um, So I'm in a lot of communities, kind of just constantly trying to meet new people and find out what they do. And, you know, I still have the same growth issues that everybody else does of, you know, right now it's like, it's a conscious choice for me to just be me. I don't have a team. I work with consultants occasionally on specific projects, but the team is just me and it's, it's conscious. Um, I've had businesses where I had a lot of employees and have chosen specifically not to do that this time around. Um, and I I think there's, there's always a push and pull on that, you know, what, 
what can you outsource? What should stay you? You know, what's fundamental to me and what I offer to people? And what should I keep in my wheelhouse? And what responsibilities do I let go? I think that's Um, the case with any business, though. Nowadays, instead of hiring somebody full-time, paying them $70,000 a year, sometimes it's like more of an on-demand freelance, especially in my business where we talk about photography, right? So I could hire a a full-time editor or a full-time photographer or videographer, or I could just contract them out on an as needed basis and save myself a heap of money. You know what I mean? One of the things I want to know is what is the SAS whisperer? I want to know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's actually a relatively older term that I've, I've used, but um, basically it came from me talking to all of my business friends and I always ended up being the person where they're like, Hey, I really need a tool that does X, Y, and Z. And I'd be the one popping up and saying, Hey, have you heard about, you know, so-and-so's new tool? It's really cool. Let me send you a link because I was just checking out and I really like the software. It'll fix this. I also know that you, um, you know, use this other software and it'll integrate with that. And here's how you can do that. And so I just kept having those conversations over and over. And ScaleSpark actually started out as um, a software consulting business. So I, I mean, I've been a CFO for, I guess, about 15 years now, but I started ScaleSpark for that exact purpose because I'd been working as an outsourced CFO for an, a, another accounting firm. And I was their technology person. I was their data and technology person. And they kept uh, selling clients a specific software, um, but they didn't have the understanding of the nuances between very similar software packages. And if you're, you know, if you're familiar with software, there's always 15 different options and they all work yeah. kind of different. They, they work in slightly different ways. So depending on the problem that you have to solve, um, there's not, you know, there is a most likely a right solution for you, but if you don't really understand the problem and really understand the nuances of the software that's offered, it's really hard to make that connection. And what was happening is the folks at the accounting uh, firm were selling software that wasn't necessarily going to fix the problem that the client was having. And I kept having to do all of these software implementations, knowing that there was a better tool out there to fix this problem, but not being able to get early enough in the sales cycle to make that connection, basically. And eventually, I just decided to go ahead and I was just going to start a firm that that's what we did was help business owners figure out what SaaS software they should be using that's and then implement it for them. So that's actually where that's interesting because, you know, there's, it's really dependent on the type of business you have and which direction you're going to go. Like for the create, well, I should say for, well, we use it for the creative entrepreneur also, but uh, for Graybug Photography, for example, we use a couple of different services like the scheduling program. I should say the, the scheduling program that we use to get everybody scheduled for photo shoots uh, or, or video shoots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, where we store our photographs and how we utilize those types of SaaS programs is essential in how we increase our revenue. What are some of the online software programs that you're using right now to help other businesses increase their revenue? Um, so I have a few that I kind of always recommend and um, a little some of it is personalized to how you actually think and use, but I almost always recommend using Xero, which is an accounting platform. It's similar to QuickBooks Online, um, but it the there's kind of a foundational 
philosophy difference between the two software companies. So QuickBooks is one that kind of wants to keep you in into its network. They're going to, you know, sell you TurboTax and uh, ask you to use T-Sheets, all of which are uh, Intuit owned products. So they want to keep you in the Intuit ecosystem. Xero was actually built from the ground up to integrate with other tools. Like that's a foundational part of their ethos. And so when you integrate your accounting platform with other tools, Xero tends to work better because that was their philosophy. So I tend to recommend Xero a lot. Um, If you are doing payroll, I always recommend Gusto because it's super easy. Um, And if you have contractors in the US that you're paying, um, you can pay them through Gusto and avoid having to do 1099s at the end of the year, which Mm. is fabulous. Um, and then usually I'm talking about different project management solutions. And for me, I personally use ClickUp, which I absolutely wow. love. ClickUp, Zero, and what was the other one? Oh, those are... Gusto. Uh, Gusto is the payroll provider. And those are almost always fairly standard. Zero and Gusto are mm-hmm. a, a given. Um, ClickUp is a is normally what I'm recommending these days, but you know, the how your project management software where it works is really personal to how your brain thinks, how you operate, what kind of business you have. Um, so, you know, a lot of the times the project management piece is kind of the interchangeable tool, but that's, that's what awesome. I use for my own business. What are some of the habits that you're doing right now you feel contribute to your success? I guess probably two. I have, uh, I just kind of reconfigured my ClickUp instance to make sure that I'm integrating my um, annual and quarterly goals. So what what I had been doing before was kind of doing my quarterly planning outside of ClickUp. You know, I was doing it in an Excel spreadsheet and that's great, but it wasn't really integrated into how I was planning my day or my week and what I was going to get done. So a couple of weeks ago I actually reconfigured ClickUp to include all of that information. So now when I go to decide what I'm doing today or what I'm doing this week, or what I'm looking at doing this month. It's all coming out of my quarterly plan. So it's really tied into my goals. And it also is helping me make sure that I have, I know what I'm supposed to do next. You know, I have a place to go when you're sitting around during the day going, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, there's no, there's no boss. There's no one to tell you like what you're supposed to be doing. And having that kind of touch point reminds me like these are the things that I decided were important this quarter. These are the things that I want to accomplish. Um, So being able to tie that back consistently is helping me do a lot more to um, actually accomplish those goals instead of getting distracted doing, you know, the 95 (laughs) other things. Well, I'd ask you what your, what your bad habits are, but it's probably binge watching Netflix, isn't it? Probably my bad habit is working too much. So I um, am coming off of eight years of owning a business and Uh having a full-time job. Um, So I was, I finally managed to grow ScaleSpark to the point, I mean, it's been full-time for about a year, but I needed it to really fully support my family. And um, it's been eight years and three businesses to get to that point. So I finally managed to be able to resign from my full-time job as a CFO in October. And, um, my worst habit now is 
trying to convince my body to sleep <laughs> until like six o'clock in the morning. Cause I'm so used to getting up at four to work and well, I don't you know, need to do that. Uh, when you're starting out, um, so that's my habit that out, I'm trying to you break. Know, you want to build that business. You're working those 10, 15, 16 hours a day to get to that point, you know, oh, absolutely. it's just, that's just the, the, the way it works when you're building. Yeah. That's definitely. the reality. Yeah. So I'd like to end this podcast with some rules that you live by some words of wisdom off the top of your head. I actually try not to live Mm -hmm. by too many rules, um, particularly in business. So after having four businesses and not to have everything be systematized and perfect from day one, that there's real value in going through that, that really hard dip. Um, and that it happens in every single business. And even in one business, it'll happen Mm -hmm. pretty consistently. At least once a year, you'll go through that. What am I doing? Yeah. I don't know what I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing this. Um, and if you can hang on through that, you will come out of it. And I think that is um, probably my yeah. most valuable rule that I'm always telling to myself when yeah. I hit that point. Um, that sh- everything has absolutely. A I mean, you're always put it. into situations mm-hmm. that's going to help you persevere. It's it's yeah, and it makes yeah. you who you are. You know. It does. I'm, I'm definitely one of those people that, um, you know, if somebody asked me what my failures would be, I don't have any because I always tend to approach things that don't go well as a learning experience. So, you know, businesses that didn't go the way that I wanted them to go, that was a very painful lesson, but allowed me to build a much more sustainable business the next time around. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. So they can head to my website at scalespark.co. Uh, hit me up on, on uh, Twitter or Instagram. I'm the Susan Bowles or um, connect with me on the podcast, Break the Ceiling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very valuable information. There you go, guys. Susan Bowles, it was a pleasure having you on the show today. I, you're an inspiration to me. You're an inspiration to our listeners. And I'm really happy to have had you on the show today. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. This was great. Hey guys, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe or check out our website at thecreativeentrepreneur.net. And until next week, keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to The Creative Entrepreneur. Please click the show notes for additional information. Want to know more? Click on the subscribe button and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by visiting us at tcepodcast.net. 